you're listening to the Unleash Your Voice podcast. This podcast is for the women who's ready to own the fuck out of who they are. Stop apologizing for their brilliance, their bodies, and their badassery. That sounds like you. You're in the right place. What's up? What's up, friends? And welcome to another episode of the Unleash Your Voice podcast. Today, we have an incredible guest. I'm so excited to get this episode into your ear holes. Okay, we have Katie Kurtz on the podcast today. She is absolutely incredible. And if it's your mission right now to dismantle harmful business practices, then I would highly, highly recommend obviously listening to this episode. And I'm so happy that you're here. And Katie Kurtz is an award-winning coach, consultant, and speaker with over a decade of experience as a licensed social worker. Katie has developed a blueprint of trauma-informed methods and practices on holding space, coaching, and leading with clarity, purpose, and integrity. So I am just obsessed with this human. Um, I heard her originally on a masterclass that I was on, and it's she's so intelligent. She's so incredible. She's so human and understanding and compassionate in her approach, and I am so happy that we all get to learn from her today. The conversation was amazing. We talk about bro marketing. We talk about what it means to be trauma-informed, especially in the coaching and service provider space when you are holding space for another human being in all of their humanness. So without further ado, here's Katie Kurtz. I hope you love the episode. If you do, feel free to message us, tag us on Instagram, let us know that you loved it, what you learned from it, and feel free to leave a review if you feel so called. So let's dive into it. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Yes. And I'm super excited for everyone who's listening. I'm ultra excited because I had the honor of being on one of your, was it like a workshop? Would you say yeah. it was? Yeah. So it was, a yeah, it was like a masterclass. I mean, whatever that is uh, on trauma, like what trauma informed space holding is and just kind of creating some shared language and understanding around it. Which is so cool. Cause as I was sharing with you earlier, I, I come from like the theater world and the voice world and there's a lot of things within holding space in a voice and breath class because it can be like very high emotions you never know what's going to happen like having those quote-unquote safe spaces and we'll talk about safe spaces and brave spaces because I think that's just so cool how you approach it um but before we dive in can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do yeah so I uh I've been a licensed social worker for the last over 12 years uh and I have worked primarily in the field of trauma um, and specialize in in trauma. And I've worked, I feel like I've lived many lives. I've worked in a lot of different, um, you know, spaces, whether it's in healthcare or with kids. Uh, I've worked in, um, you know, communities around mental health and addiction and recovery, but it, trauma has always been kind of that common thread. And so about five years ago, I really wanted to, um, I was working with a coach and it was so transformational for me. And I really loved that form of holding space. And I, I never pursued, uh, as a social worker, I never pursued a uh, private practice or therapy because it was wonderful and I enjoyed doing it, but it just wasn't something I felt called to do, but coaching felt so different for me. And so I probably researched every coaching program under the sun and finally landed serendipitously on a coaching training program called the beautiful you life coaching Academy. And, uh, the founder and my mentor, Julie Parker is also a former social worker. And it was such a heart centered program that, um, I completed that and became a certified coach with them. And I knew as a social worker and in the coaching industry, you could just wake up and call yourself a coach because it's an unregulated yeah. <laughs> field, but that's not how I roll. Like I come from social work. We have ethics and licensure and continuing ed and, and supervision. And so I wanted to lead with integrity and really gain, cultivate the skills, right? Because I think coaching, um, it's not just who you are, it's what you do. It's that skill development. And so I'm so grateful and loved that program because it was trauma-informed. And uh, even though they may not you know, promoted as that it is. And 
I've been running um, my coaching practice for the last five years, but I've always kept my social work life and my coaching life like very separate uh, because of boundaries and wanting and still maintaining a full-time job. Um, I never wanted to create, you know, any issue with that. Um, but then COVID hit and I realized I couldn't really, they were starting to seep together. And for the last five years as a coach, I was working with um, women around how they deepen their connection to themselves and then to each other. So I lead a lot of in-person connection events, a lot of retreats, connections, what I'm all about. And so, and holding space for that. And so I've always held space as a coach with one-on-one -on -one clients or with groups um, or even speaking events with this um, way of holding space that's trauma-informed and connection-centered. I just never really talked about it. So I was like, well, this is just, it's such a natural part of me. It's what I do. Uh, and when COVID hit and I started seeing my two worlds kind of blend together, I realized, okay, I need to stop dancing around that perimeter and really just jump in and own the fact that, you know, I've seen trauma starting to get talked about in the coaching industry and in the yoga world. I'm also a registered yoga teacher and I'm really excited about it. Like I'm a big advocate for dragging these topics that are often stigmatized out of, out of the darkness and into the light, whether it's mental illness, addiction, trauma, like let's talk about it. Let's build conversation. Uh, trauma thrives in isolation and resilience is relational. So how do we, we conversate around it? So I was really excited and really concerned because I'm like, why are these coaches talking about like early childhood trauma? I'm like, are they trained? Like, you know, I get worried about people because it's, it's a lot to bring up, you know, your traumatic events. Um, and are people doing it with integrity and are they being, you know, do they have accountability and mentorship? And it was starting to concern me that, um, we were talking so much about trauma and identifying some things as tra traumatic that maybe aren't. Uh, and so there's so much nuance in it. And so that's, this last year is where I really started to um, own all of my gifts and my wholeness and stop compartmentalizing it and, uh, and now focus on trauma-informed space holding and leadership, specifically within coaches, entrepreneurs, creatives, wellness professionals. So that's where I'm at. Uh, and I do training. I still um, do a lot of trainings in my um, in a lot of different capacities and I work across a lot of different disciplines. And so uh, I think that's, that's sadly the short version of it, which is <laughs> short. I love that. I'm obsessed with some, like so many things that you said, but one of the things that I just want to, for my listeners who listen to me talk a lot, the most exciting thing within that um, for me of what you kind of reflected back is the, I stopped compartmentalizing myself because that was the same thing. Like for me, and I talk about a lot is like, you don't have to, like, you can be all of it. You can have boundaries. That's very different than like compartmentalizing yourself. Cause even for me, I had like, I used to do special effects makeup too. And then children's theater. And then I would also teach in schools. And then I would also do this thing. And then I would do leadership trainings for um, a couple boards in, in Canada for like low income housing. And like all these, I would do all these different things. I had like eight identities. And I would never let them touch like food on a plate. Like you're like, nope, no, we can't talk about that here. I don't talk about how I do that here. And I think it's so powerful to instead using that as like brick by brick, like building what your special skill set is because all of it like comes together and it builds on one another. Like there's reasons why you have the experience you do and like your different certifications, all these things the education like builds on one another to make you an expert in your field in that thing. And I think expert is subjective as well. Like expert, I like, we know what we're a quote unquote expert in because we're, we have the lived experience to be like, ah, I feel like this is like my expertise within that, but it is subjective. And I also love how you talked about how coaching is an unregulated field, but doing what was in integrity with you. And I think that's huge. And for me, I'm all, I also come from like a background of, um, I wouldn't say like having supervision, but going into schools and having that and like working with kids who are quote unquote at risk and different learning styles and all that stuff where I'm constantly teaching myself and constantly in rooms or taking courses or doing 
whatever I can to continue my education because that's an integrity with my value system. So for anyone who's listening, I think it's really powerful. Just what you said is like, like knowing your quote unquote expertise, whatever that means, but also what's an integrity with you? Cause like, yeah. what is the integrity with you and what you're going to talk about? Cause what I, one thing that I do kind of want to call up, I wouldn't say call out cause I don't want to like bash anything. Cause that's like not what I'm here for, but what I used to do, and I'm going to use a personal example. So y'all can bash me on this. So I'm not bashing anything else, but I used to be taught that pain points in your marketing and kind of, and this is something I guess I've learned too with 2020 is pain point marketing and talking a lot about your own personal trauma. It's like, are you sharing it from a perspective of, I'm just going to share and kind of like be vulnerable, or are you sharing it in a perspective of, I'm going to exploit this in order for people to see me as another thing you say I'm just let me just fangirl all the time over you uh one of the things you say is like you don't have to trust me and I think we should talk about that too after this because I think it's so huge but that like oh I'm gonna exploit my trauma so that you trust me so that you can feel like this weird codependence like you need me or else you're never gonna get anywhere or whatever like I see so much of that still happening without people who have the capacity, because I can say four years ago, when I first started posting stuff on the internet, I was taking all these quote unquote marketing courses that were all about like pain points. And like the, the term bro marketing is now used very widely. Yeah. And it's like that, like pain points and blah, blah, blah. And I look at some of my older stuff and having the experience that I do kind of putting all those parts of me together. I look at that and I cringe so hard because I'm like, Oh, you don't know what you're doing in that. Not in like the you don't know, la nah, nah, nah. but like, I didn't know better then. So I couldn't do better. So yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah. to say about that? And like the trust thing? I have so many things to say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I cringe too. I, I definitely, I mean, I come from social work nonprofit. Like I don't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurs or like the girl boss era. And so you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And so yeah. Yeah, I was reading and, and consuming all of these different things and bombarded with these influencer marketing coaches. And I, I read all these things about like pain points and I'm like, why? And I always would look at it and like cock my head, like, is this the only way? And I truly, and this is, this is sad, but again, you don't know what you don't know till you know it. I truly believed probably up until the last year or so, year or two that, this was like, this is it. Like, this is how you run a business. And I was like, maybe this isn't for me because I, it's just not aligned with my values. It doesn't align with me. And I cannot continue to force these practices that disregard the humanity of the people I want to work with and my own. And it wasn't until I found my current business mentor, Rachel Turner and her wife, Sarah, that teach this human first, this trauma-informed way that I was like, oh my God, I tell my people like, this is possible. Like you can, you don't have to do business that way. And it's changed I love her. everything for me. I do too. I found um, you through her, through her Instagram. Oh, so like yeah. shout out to Rachel and I bought her book. Shout out She's amazing. Them. Everyone yeah. go look at them. She yeah. Like that's how I, I found you. girl on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And it's possible. And it, it was like, okay, it comes back to, I, I am only an expert in who I am. I am not an expert in trauma. I'm not an expert in social work. I'm, I'm just an expert in being myself. It's the only experience, true expertise I have. Um, I specialize in certain things. I have a lot of lived experience and professional experience. I have a, a shit ton of student loans to prove my education of master's degrees and all of that. Um, that like so I tell people... I am not, I, I have a really rocking, like pretty killer resume, but that doesn't mean, it really doesn't mean anything. I'm proud of it. And I celebrate the hard work and the experience and the awards and all of these things and credentials I have, but that doesn't mean I'm an authority. It doesn't give me hierarchy above you. 
And it doesn't mean you should trust me because trust is not assumed through how many letters I have after my name. And it's not assumed because I can get into your head and figure out what's wrong with you. Like, I don't do that, but that's like, we've, there's this culture within entrepreneurial and in the coaching industry that that's the way, um, we get into our clients' heads, right? And we figure out our ideal client and what Susie, you know, how old is she and what kind of house is she living in and what, you know, what are her dramas and dramas of the day so we can get in and fix and solve and inspire. And I just don't um, adhere to that. I don't believe I can fix anyone. I don't believe I can heal anyone and I can't, um, you know, if I inspire someone great, but like, that's not why I'm here. Um, I'm only responsible for myself and my own healing. And if we hold space for, we can hold space for healing to occur, but I can't heal somebody. So it's, uh, you know, it, it is like this girl boss era is just bro marketing with a pink filter on it. It's, it's still toxic. It's still manipulative. And it's not honoring the true humanity of, of who we're trying to sell to or work with, and it's not honoring our own. Uh, and so, you know, I function from the, the way I teach and train and coach is non-hierarchical, which is a hard word to say. I'm not, um, you know, I just use my hands. So like, I'm not above the people I work with. I, I teach and lead from the same level. I, yes, I guide. Yes, I co-create. Yes, I collaborate or I might train or teach on certain things, but I'm never coming at it like I'm an authority. I know more than, more than you because no one knows you better than yourself. And I trust that if, I'm working with a client or a group that they will honor themselves in a way that best um, meets them where they're at. And they'll come to me if they need me, but I, I'm not going to assume I need to caregive or, or, you know, solve and fix, you know, every problem they have. Um, Cause that's not what coaching is. And I, I love the coaching field. Uh, I love being a coach. I uh, think back to that first call I had with my mentor and teacher, Julie Parker. And I, I remember talking to her. It's like a random, like really snowy January night. And I was deciding if I was going to take this training. And she said to me, it sounds like this is what you were meant, you were meant to do with your life. And I've never forgotten that because I really truly believe this is how I can show up and serve um, and be of service to others. And you really honoring my gifts and my capacity um, to hold space for people. Uh, in this way, but the coaching industry has a lot of work to do. Um, and, you know, the, these practices that are so um, hierarchical and toxic and the focus on more focus on sick, making six figs and sales and all these things, rather than the cultivation of skills, like I could care less about the six figure marketing and more about like, so what skills do you have as a coach that you're actually you actually care and can hold space and listen with resonance to your clients, um, you know, or this whole concept of like charging your worth. Like, what is that? Like, aren't we all inherently worthy? Why are we facing what we price or charge on that? Because no one can afford it because there's no price, right? Like that, those, these kinds of ways and we talk about things are so, um, it, you know, it, it really disregards our full humanity. So so yeah, I, I mean, I could talk about this all day, every day and I do. So, yeah. <laughs> and I do, I love that because yeah, I think it's so powerful and it's funny because, um, I remember, so at the beginning of 2020, I had set up my entire year for in-person events, book signings and speaking opportunities. Like that was my income for a year. Like I had funneled out all private clients. I stopped running courses, everything. And I was like, all right, let's go. And then it was like, everything shut down. And I found myself in this weird, like hermit space where I was going back through courses and programs being like, okay, well shit. Now everything that I planned isn't happening. So I have to go back into this world of quote unquote online marketing and I started to unpack all these like old courses I had and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, do I remember to market how to market online? Cause all my stuff is in person. All of a sudden it was like, whoa, how do I live online? And then I started seeing 
so much stuff that felt gross because I had been working on like dismantling a lot of stuff for myself, like diet culture and all these things about like how we take up space in the world. And then I saw a through line with how I was marketing and diet culture. And I have never been so nauseous in my life where I was like, okay, so I'm talking about diet culture. This is an example. Something that I have spoke about and dismantled for myself that says, these are all the things that are inherently wrong with you. Um, so in order to fix that and feel better about yourself, you need me. And then I looked at my program, well, not necessarily programs, like my marketing. And it was like, here's all these problems that you might have. And in order to fix these, you need me. But so it's like, not, I wasn't blatantly saying that. It was just, that was the through line. And I, for like the past year and some, it's been dismantling my own stuff now. And one of the things that I'm working currently right now in, in process, this is my human experience right now, is dismantling the authority mindset. Oh, it runs so deep, like so deep, no like trust. These are two things that I would love to dismantle with you. If you are open to this, um, because hearing you talk on this perspective just gave me butterflies. It made me so excited about life that there was a second way, or there was another way. There was a different approach that was okay. That it was like, I wasn't going to be shamed for doing it. I wasn't going to be like, all of a sudden you're never going to be successful ever because you're not using utilizing these things. It's like, there is another way and it's, and it's okay. And so that like hierarchy of here's where I went from rock bottom to being amazing. And if you want to be amazing too, then you have to take this program. Like that weird authority marketing, the hierarchy mm-hmm. thing of I am the coach and you are the client. I have to solve every single problem that you have or else I'm not doing my quote unquote job, which I think a lot of people feel pressure about because there is that weird ecosystem of like, if you want to get clients, if you want people to value you, you have to be above them. So weird. And then also the tr- no like trust that people will only pay you if they quote unquote trust you. But I love how you said like trust is not cultivated by the money in your bank account is not cultivated by how many master's degrees you have. It's not cultivated by your expertise, quote unquote expertise, or all these things. That's just like your specialty, but that doesn't create trust. So could you, if you're open to this, if this is a lot, we can break it into two sections, but I feel like it all kind of like builds on one another. Um, authority and how, what does that look like? If you have an answer for this, because I don't right now. Um, what does it look like to market in a way or to share your work online, not from the pedestal? And what does it look like to not assume everyone needs to trust you to be able, or not be able to, but trust you in order to quote unquote, pay you for your services? So I, a lot of my reckoning and reconciliation within the old way of doing things in this more human centered way, honestly started when I started to really reckon with my whiteness and starting to do my own work around anti-racism and anti-oppression and like really doing it, not just like performatively. Um, Because I started to learn more about white supremacy culture and if you, if you read about these cultural elements and pillars, it's things that come up are perfectionism, authority, individualism, uh, and, and all of these similar things. And I was like, wait a minute. And I was like, but that's the same thing they're teaching me. And like, I started to see how this supremacy, this pedestaling, this guruizing was very much tied to the supremacist beliefs. And uh, especially this year, as I dive even deeper into that work um, of unpacking and unhooking from these uh, these oppressive systems, I see it so much clearly. Um, Not super clear because this is a lifetime of work, but I see that connection. And I had to unhook from those those ways of doing things in my business because they never felt aligned to begin with. I just thought I should do it because that's what you know, you, you're, you're taught. Um, and there wasn't a ground, like this newer groundswell of people in the business world talking about 
being humans first, being trauma-informed, not looking at pain points, acknowledging privilege. You know, the reality with COVID is that some people like perhaps yourself um, saw their business really being rocked by the pandemic and losing, you know, the sustainable fun- financial ground of what supports you, which is a yeah. really, that rocks your safety, security, and stability, which depending on your your own lived experience and your body and being could be traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an effect of the collective trauma of COVID. Um, and some of us like myself who has still works other, you know, has other means of employment and, and finances, it, I had that privilege this year of not experiencing that. So it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a very much real urgency, another pillar of supremacist culture, this urgency to constantly do everything. There is some urgency when you're trying to figure out your next paycheck. So it's a very real thing yeah. to not have that privilege. But can you do it in a way that's not exploiting your humanity and the humanity of other people? And for a while there, I was like, is any, I felt like I was just sort of on a lone road because I didn't see other people and finding the greatest gift I found in 2020 was those people, those lighthearted folks who are, um, who are kind of rebelling against the status quo of bro marketing and girl boss culture. And so I'm kind of going back to what you said earlier about like supervision and mentorship. Um, that's something that is just a part of my licensed social work life. Like I've, I've had mentors. I still have one. I always work with supervisors and mentors. I supervise and mentor a lot of people. And I have over the years because it's part of the culture of, of social work. That's what we do. Um, and so when I got into coaching, I'm like, of course, I'm going to work with a coach. Like, why wouldn't I, I'm going to find mentors. I'm going to cultivate that. I want to be able to talk about what I'm seeing with clients and, and enhance my skills. But I realize not a lot of people do that. And it's almost looked at like, oh, you can't get your shit together. You have to find a supervisor or a mentor. And it's like, no, I just define it differently. And I look at it differently. And I really, um, when I talk about being trauma-informed, that's a big piece of it, uh, is finding accountability and mentorship and community, because we're not meant to do this alone. And again, that's that we have to just fight on our own and do it. And it's like, no, like that's, that's bullshit. We, we should do this in community. You know, how many times have we seen, you know, like community over collaboration or like women supporting women. And it's like, okay, great. But like, I fully believe that, but I went out and was like, this is great. Like, let's collaborate. But it wasn't real. It was surface level. It was just the hashtag and the cute shirt and the cute meme. And then people were still vying for, for space and territory and, and sales. And I'm like, I'm just here to collaborate. I don't, I don't know, like, can we all just, you know, do whatever. So, so yeah, it's, there's so much, um, there's so much to it. The roots go deep. And if, you know, you know, if people talking about like white supremacy is uh, makes you cringe or makes you uncomfortable, like, sorry, not sorry. That's just the reality of what it is, but you can see that tie back to it. So when I think about like, no, like trust, um, again, when I talk about these things, I don't, I'm not speaking, if you're using these tactics, if they've been really supportive to you, like, that's great. Mm-hmm. This is where the nuance comes in. Um, I'm not saying it's good or bad, right or wrong. Um, it's not either or another, another thought we're taught in this culture of supremacy. It's, it's, and both and no, like trust may work for you. And that's great, but I prefer to lead and build my business, even if it's slow, um, through pausing, listening and building. So instead of no, like trust, pause, listen, and build, uh, because that kind of goes against everything you're taught, right? Like get a bunch of followers, you know, just tell people what, what you do, what you're specialized, you know, be an authority and then people will trust you. Um, and they'll like you cause you're cute and you have a filter and like, you can do the best TikToks. And like, I like, it just never fit for me. That's not what feels good for me. It's not when we talk about integrity, that's out of my integrity. Being in my integrity is pausing, discerning, uh, 
listening deeply, not just listening to fix or solve or give unsolicited advice, but to listen with resonance uh, to who I'm connecting with and to myself and then building and cultivating that trust. Um, so what's interesting is that in the fall of 2020, I launched Cultivate, which is my signature trauma-informed space holding training. And it was the first time I was launching it. I was really nervous because I never, I, enrollment and launching in the past, I hated it. Like I just, it was awful. Yeah. I, um, I'm a visionary nurturer leadership design style. Um, so that, that means that I, uh, have a lot of great ideas and I love cultivating connection, but like, if it's not validated soon, then I just give up and ghost. So like after a first day, I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this. <laughs> Uh, and Me I was too. With, right. Me too. I'm so a visionary. Working, That's what I learned. Oh, right. Love yeah. it. So, so, you know, um, and I was working with Rachel and, and Sarah Turner, um, to help, help with, um, me really like unhook from these beliefs cause they were really ingrained and they both, um, it was the first time I worked with a coach or a consultant that actually took the course I taught which I have to say, I really, um, that helped me build a lot of trust with them wow. because um, that tells me like, that tells me something. So I was really assured that no one would sign up for this thing. Um, and also I launched like the week before the election. So like also the worst time ever in <laughs> the US, like a very tumultuous time of season of life. And so I, I had this longer, like kind of enrollment period and I, you know, planned it out the best I could. I've never been like a batcher of content. I could never figure out the calendars and the color coding. It just all like email funnels. Like I can't deal with it. And I told them, I was like, all right, I'm going to launch this, but it's a really traumatic time in our country right now. And so I just don't know if I have the capacity or people have the capacity for this training. Like maybe I should just pull it. And I did it. And I'm glad I did it because I ended up having about 25 beautiful humans join me and I didn't push anything big. I just felt called to say, Hey, if you feel called to join this training right now, like I would be so honored to have you. And if you don't have the capacity, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for honoring yourself. And that's literally my marketing strategy, quote unquote, like it's not really a strategy. It's just me being honest and human and saying like, if you want to join me for this training, I would be so incredibly honored and grateful and so excited to have you join me. But if you can't, if you don't have the capacity, like, please, please don't like honor yourself. Like how many courses have I signed up with that I haven't finished? Like, yeah, they're all sitting in my email years upon years. Cause I never did it because I couldn't keep up with the pace. I signed up when I didn't have the capacity to, and I couldn't, I couldn't digest all of it. And so the way I, I sell and, and launch is in a way that's honoring myself and it's honoring the people I want to call into this who need and want that kind of support. I love that. And even when I think about the courses that I didn't finish, it was literally, if I'm being hundred percent honest, which I always am here <laughs> and in general, um, but if I'm being hundred percent honest, I can think back to the moment and the post that made me be like, I'm going to buy this. And nine out of 10 times, it was something like, do you feel like shit? Do you feel like your whole world is crumbling? And I'm like, yes, I do. And they're like, okay, great. I was the same way, but now I'm awesome. And I was like, I want to be awesome too. And they were like, well, you're going to have to take this program. And I was like, you know what? I'm either going to cry into my Dorito bag or I'm going to take this program. And you know what? I'm going to do both. <laughs> like it was like came from such a weird, like I need, like, this is the solution this is the yeah. solution to all my problems. And it was never in a place where I was honoring the fact that maybe in that season, I, I wasn't a failure. I just needed to learn something. It, it didn't come from, it was like, I want to be as successful as possible, as quick as possible, because I need to get out of this situation that I'm in right now. And it was never fruitful. It was just Wait. me being more stressed out. 
you're broken, the urgency, here's how I'll fix you. And, you know, don't you think that if we could 10 step our way or six step our funnel, our way through our best lives ever, we wouldn't really need coaches anymore. Like, I'm just saying like, you know, if life were that easy that we could just 10 step our way and check a bunch of things and like, you know, accomplish this and we're all living like our quote unquote best life ever that like, we wouldn't see this huge surge of need. And so like, and, and don't get me wrong, please go live your best life ever. I want that yeah. so badly for everybody. But I also know the reality that like, you know, not everyone's best is the same. Like what is yeah. best to me is not the best for you. And who am I to tell you how to do, how to achieve that, right? Because sometimes when we are feeling low and crying in our Doritos bag, what we really need is someone to hold space for us and yes. to hold that moment and just be, you know, rock some silence because silence can be a really beautiful space holder and just be like, I see you, I hear you, I, I, I honor you. And sometimes that's what coaching is. Uh, it's yeah. not to come up with, you know, this urgency and pressure to say the best thing to inspire that client to like crush their goals or to, you know, give them the perfect worksheet that's going to spring them into action to land, you know, their best relationship, their best job, et cetera. Sometimes it's holding that space for them to either say what they need to say, to be heard, to be validated and to be honored in, in that moment. And for someone to, you know, to see them and be that mirror for them, that that's, that's what I see as the power of coaching. And that's, um, I think we just need more of that in all areas of life, but especially in the coaching industry. Yeah. And that's huge too, of like, just allowing, um, someone to have a human experience and not need to micromanage them is like the biggest thing ever because I'm of the belief that it's like, we all know what we want because we're given desires to do so. So like, like you have a desire. It's like, if I, Oh, I'm hungry. Ooh, what do I want for dinner? I want this. It's like, I'm not going to come into your life and be like, if you don't eat this pasta right now, (laughs) it's not my place. It's like, what I can do is be like, yeah, cool. Do you want me to like start boiling the water for you? Like with you, like do you want me to like, what can I do in this space to like hold that space for you and, and help you get to where you want to go? Not necessarily like, right. how can I utilize my skill set to support you? Not how can I get you to the same place where I'm at? Because I'm going to superimpose my desires onto you. It's that, and both, right? Yeah. I can hold space and meet my client where they at, where they need to share. I can still lovingly and gently hold them to be accountable or mere back to them what's going on. But I can also use consent and choice to provide a potential feedback to help create some supportive frameworks or to help them continue moving on towards, towards whatever, you know, quote unquote goal, you know, they have like, that's the essence of coaching where you have to harness and cultivate those skills. And the only way to do that is through continuing education, mm-hmm. uh, mentorship, community, accountability. You know, this, this idea that we can just become a coach and then that's it. It, it that's, that's not it. Like it's mm-hmm. not coaching is a skill that we need to develop and harness and hone. It's not an arrival where we just like call ourselves that it's a role. It's a title. And then you're making six figures. Like that's not, that's not how it works. And so um, I've also seen this weird phenomena happen where like coaches are coaches who coach coaches, which is great, but it's like, oh, you have to, you have to have a coach because you have to handle your mindset so that you can make more money. Okay. But, but what about the skills this, that skill development, again, like you can't mindset way your way out of everything. Sometimes, sometimes it's just privilege and resources and access and like, quite frankly, like actual barriers. You can't mindset your way out of trauma either. So, you know, there's other things. So that's why like more, we need more of that nuance, more of that gray area of exploration, that liminal space of what's real and what's just this, again, this 
high reaching point that only a few are actually to, able to reach. Oh, I love that so much. I love that. And like, I want to say, and also to add to that, that doesn't discredit people's desires who want like the six figures and stuff. It's like all our desires are, are unique, but you don't have to listen to someone else tell you what your desires need to be. Yeah. Like who doesn't want six figures? I don't know. Like, and if you don't, like, it doesn't matter why you want that. If you want it, great. Again, not saying anything I say is not good or bad, right or wrong. I don't live in the binary um, because it's it's unhelpful and it's inhumane. You know, it's just, if that's what you want, awesome. Like are, and maybe, maybe it's in your integrity. It might not be in mine, but if you can seek that out within your ethics, values and integrity, like cool, but that never worked for me. And so that's not how I function. And, and I, um, when we think about being trauma informed, it, it doesn't usually fit into that box either because we're looking at those practices of consent and choice, uh, and pace and transparency and clarity and all of like non-urgency and all of these things so that we can really honor the humanity of anyone coming through, um, our doors. I love that so much. Ethics, values, and integrity. A hundred percent. I think, I feel like that's something that even, um, within my business and I, I would urge people to look at it for themselves. Cause I feel like if I didn't have something that rocked me to my core and made me actually look at my business, I would be in like uh, days of like, Oh, just run, run to the next goal. But I had something that literally rocked me and caused me to pause and look and say, where am I out of integrity with my ethics and my values that I've cultivated over years of teaching in schools, in in classrooms, in like with kids, with people who are dealing with really heavy things, like all of these different things. And where did I put that all to the side? Because I entered a new ecosystem that didn't value it. I was like, oh, I shouldn't value it either. You're right. You guys are right. Let's, let's, you know what that, that was silly. Let's just, let's just run. It's like, no, I, it caused me to kind of pause for it. So I feel like this is huge. This whole episode is just going to be incredible. And if someone has been waiting for like a little nudge to take a peek at their, where their business is at, whether it comes to like their ethics and their values and a lot of the things that they, I would say preach on and teach on. Cause for me, it was like, if I'm teaching consent, if I'm preaching empowering people's choices and voice, where am I taking that away in my marketing? Like, where am I literally saying, get into this space with me and I'll value your consent, but I'm not going to let you say no. Get it? (laughs) Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, And before we wrap up, I would love, love, love if you were open to it, uh, to chat a little bit about safe space versus brave space. Cause I can say a hundred percent, I am someone who has used the word safe space for a majority of my career and my life, and especially in the teaching spaces. But having said that, when you explain safe space and brave space, my brain exploded and it was the greatest thing ever. So I would love if you're open to it to enrich our audience with that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I first sort of thought about safe versus brave space probably before, um, what I'm going to share, but it, it definitely enhanced it. So I didn't come up, I did not create the difference between safe and brave space. I really want to own that. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually first learned about the differentiation from a, um, a course I was taking probably five or six years ago, where we read an article from, um, I think the book is called The Art of Effective F- Facilitation. And it's this idea, it's typically talked about in like the social justice diversity, equity, inclusion kind of world. Um, And there was this article by Brian Oro and Christy Clemens called From Safe Spaces to Brave Spaces and Reframing Dialogue. So I want to give onus and and, and appropriately cite them. Um, And I'm happy to link that article to you. But it got me thinking about, yeah, so it got me thinking about how, um, so I mentioned I've been holding in-person gatherings every month in my community here in Cleveland, Ohio for five years. Um, and it, it was literally how I gathered, like when we gathered together and I held space for us just to organically connect because making friends as an adult is hard. And also to go below that surface level networking kind of nonsense into deep connection. 
And I facilitated that space with the methods that I teach in Cultivate, which is a, that trauma-informed space holding training. And I realized, you know, as a trauma specialist, I cannot make you feel safe. I can mm -hmm. secure the surrounding areas. I can ensure, you know, there's no intruders or, you know, the water's safe to drink and all of these like actual tangible things. But in essence, in your body and being, I have no idea what safety, security, or stability feels like for you. I only know what it feels like for me. So if I assume safety for you and I'm holding space for a group of people or a one-on-one -on -one client, and I'm assuming it's a safe space, especially for folks who are black, brown, indigenous, LGBTQIA, neurodivergent, folks um, who hold marginalized identities, we cannot assume safety for them, especially if we live in a white body or have a different level of privilege. So it's moving away from that safe safety from a trauma lens, a trauma-informed lens. Um, I can co-create the container in which I'm holding for them. If we think of like a container, um, we can try to ensure they can access safety and security within their body and being. But what we can do is ensure it's a brave space so that they can feel safe enough to show up in their full humanity, to say whatever they need to say, that it's brave enough and strong enough to be held and not fixed or solved or judged. So that's when I talk about creating safe spaces, that's what I, what I mean by that is that um, I can't assume what safety feels like for you, but what I can do is show up as bravely and humanly possible and I'm going to attune and anchor in my own safety and security so that this space we're holding together is strong enough for the complexities that you're bringing to the table. Uh, and, and so that's, that's what I teach on. I love all of that so much. And this was such an incredible conversation. I'm so appreciative of you and your being Thank and you. the way that you share on the internet, because that's the only way I could have found you. So if anyone is ever doubting the power of their voice, literally, like if you don't share, people can't find you. And I think it's so powerful what you are sharing and how boldly and bravely you share online because social media can be a scary place and yeah. people wouldn't be able to find you and you wouldn't be literally changing, you, like being a part of changing the face of the coaching industry when it comes to trauma. Thank you. And I, I want to just quickly mention something you, yeah. you talked, you I mean, we could probably talk for hours, but you <laughs> talked about that sharing, um, from a, like sharing your own trauma, uh, oh, or sharing yeah. your own story. And I wanted to touch on that because, um, you know, you own your own story and, you know, trauma is non-binary. It's complex. We, what may be traumatic for me may not be traumatic for you, but it's still valid. So when we get into this, like whose trauma is real and it, like, let's not go there. But, yeah, uh, you know, I always, and I, I use a lot of context examples with the cohort members I teach. And I, I'm very open and vulnerable because that's my superpower. I can rack some vulnerability. Yes. It's taken me a lot of time and a lot of supervision, and a lot of therapy to get there, but I only share from an anchored place in my body and my being. Yes. So if I'm going to share something about my grief, if I'm going to share something about personal, about my life, people need to know that it's coming from a very grounded and anchored place. It's a place where I feel very comfortable and open talking about it. If I'm dealing with a new crisis or something in my life, like I don't share everything, um, because it's not a, not meant to be shared and be like, I just may not feel grounded enough to put it on the internet. Um, so if you're using your story, uh, I just like to guide people in personal attunement, which is a practice of being trauma informed is, are you coming from an anchored and regulated space? Are you seeking support and accountability from others to ensure that you can share that, that piece of vulnerable, um, history or whatever to work to the world? Um, and are you are you prepared for that? Um, cause it's a lot. And when we think about, yes. you know, coaching, um, you know, I don't want anyone to walk away from this podcast thinking like, I don't want people to coach people on six figures and all of that. Like, that's great. If that's what you do, like own it. Awesome. But just keep in mind that some people are coming to you. If you don't take the lived into account, the lived experiences of people who you're working with, you may just disc be discounting the fact that they may have trauma from, um, 
experiences of poverty or money insecurity or whatever their lived experiences is. You may not need to know their story, but can you consider that when you work with people? Because um, it might not be a mindset block, it could be trauma. So it's all of these things. This is where that nuance comes in, where we need to think about those things if, if that's something you want to think about. Mm. Um, and I hope people do because it only is going to help strengthen your engagement and build and cultivate trust with other people. Yes. I love that so much. And I think it's super important because there's some of the stuff that, because one of my superpowers too, is like being vulnerable. And a lot of the times I'll share certain stories and things. And even like with my book and like all these different things that people are like, wow, like what made you share that? Like what, what, how'd you get so like confident to share that? I'm like, well, like I went through a lot of healing before I shared it. I, I didn't share in the space of the of be feeling that trauma or in a triggered space of like reactivity. It's like I'm healed. I can see from a perspective outside of that emotional charge. And it's like, when I share it, it's, there's an intention behind it. It's not like, I'm just, we're sitting down and like, well, I should tell everyone about this one traumatic thing that happened to like, it's, it's for a reason. And there's also things with it where it's like when you come from that space I think it's easier to be like trigger warning for people but like to have those things to um like cultivate a sense I was gonna say of of safe quote unquote safety or whatever but I'd be able to at least speak to it from a space of non-reactivity and I think that's huge and I would love for you to share um if you're open to about what did what does anchoring mean for someone who's listening and who's like I've never heard that word before. Like I've just sure. learned that regulation is a like, self-regulation. Yeah, like, me, yeah. me a year so ago was, yeah, me a year so ago was like, terms. I'm anxious attachment. What? I have to self-regulate. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, so right. if you're speaking to someone who's in that space where it's like, oh, anchoring, I can like intellectualize that. But what does that feel like to know that I'm in yeah. a space where I am not coming from a place of reactivity. So something important to keep in mind is that because trauma is so non-binary, a lot of people have a lot of of different definitions, interpretations. There's a lot of different healing modalities and recovery mechanisms. So sometimes language and definitions don't always align. So this is how I Mm -hmm. use, use it. And this is how I use it in my, across my professional lives. So regulation is, is our nervous system, our biology's ability to regulate into a safe, into a safe, um, grounded kind of way. If we're unregulated, we're in typically a response mode, like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And safety is also a response and that's regulation. We learn how to co-regulate first as infants when we're having connection with that adult. And then we learn to self-regulate and self-soothe ourselves. So when I say um, anchoring, Anchoring is that ability to kind of self-regulate. And I think of it literally as an anchor. We use an anchor, you know, off the boat to, to find ground, to come to stillness. And uh, so it can mean a lot of different things. Sometimes it's centering ourselves in our own experience. It can be grounding and feeling grounded, our feet on the floor, our breath in our body. Um, I think access, if you have access to your senses, um, that's the best and, and usually the most accessible way, again, if you have access to sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, um, that's how we activate our presence and be in that moment rather than, you know, future tripping or going into the past. So when I say I share, when I rock vulnerability or I share something personal, I'm doing it from an anchored place. That means I'm grounded in who I am in my body and being. I'm not reacting to something. I'm doing it from a really purposeful and intentional place. Um, and I'm sharing something that's not, um, still, still hot or healing or, or wounded that it's, I've gone through the work of being able to share it in a way that doesn't cause reactivity within my nervous system, where I'm becoming dysregulated, where my nervous system saying, Oh God, we're not safe. Hide, freeze, fly. Like that's what, that's what I mean. And so why I, those are all parts of what I call personal attunement, which is a practice consisting of many elements that I teach in trauma-informed space holding is because if I'm coming into a coaching session and I'm my body and my nervous system's like, oh, I don't feel safe or I'm anxious or I'm, I'm just dysregulated, 
I'm then creating a dysregulated space and my client Mm. may or may not pick up on that and then join in on it. Or if I'm thinking about something I'm anxious about and I'm not anchored to the present moment, I'm probably not going to be able to fully listen to my client um, or I may create a gap where potential harm could occur. Harm being not fully listening or honoring them, not um, maybe bypassing or minimizing or potentially reactivating their nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I love what you say about causing harm. But well, you say, because you say it best. So I, when I say harm, I, I, I don't believe many, most people are not causing harm intentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, good intentions are great until the impact of those good intentions is harmful. So we can't rely on good intentions. We have, we have to really be considering Um, the spaces we're holding. If you're a coach, you're a professional space holder. That's what you do. So, and even entrepreneurs, creative service providers, we're holding space. Um, And so if those spaces and you're, you're the space holder, if you're coming into that space unregulated, if you're not present, if you don't have the capacity, meaning you just have so much on your plate, you just don't really have the ability to be fully present and attuned to that person. Um, or you have a lot on your plate and, and you're just feeling overwhelmed. Um, if you're not checking your own privilege and your own higher, like, are you, are you creating authority or hierarchy? If you're not attuned to that, um, I always use my hands for this, but if we think of personal attunement, it's like a really tight braid. It's all of these different elements braided together, like a beautiful woven fab- fabric. But if one of those pieces is missing or we're not attending to it, it creates a gap and that's where potential harm could occur. It, it probably isn't intentional, um, but that doesn't matter. It still can occur. And harm typically isn't like violence, although I'm not going to say, I mean, again, no either, either or here, mm-hmm. it could be, but typically it's, in, it's more um, covert. It's bypassing, gaslighting, it's projection. Um, it's when we want a, our client to uh, feel a certain way or have a certain outcome. So we're projecting onto them how we think they feel, but really that's, that's not the truth, um, which is probably the most common form of harm. Um, we could be reactivating or triggering them to have um, their nervous system unregulated. Um, we could, it could come out in a lot of different ways. And so that's what I mean by harm. And to be trauma-informed means you are cultivating skills and tools to resist and reduce harm. But the reality is we can't avoid it. We're human, we're gonna cause harm. So let's let's all accept that reality because we can't perfect our way out of this one, right? Um, so if I, can, if I can accept, okay, I'm gonna cause harm, then what? Figuring out a plan, finding those mentors and people you can community, you can come back to for discernment, um, practicing discernment, um, which is a practice, uh, learning how to apologize, how to rec- repair, how to pause and not, not immediately jump in and be urgent, but take that pause, take that moment, um, tuning into your body and, and your own reactivation and repairing that harm. Uh, those are a lot of the skills we also, that I also teach and train on because it's gonna, we cause harm all the time. Um, so then what? That's that question of what, what are we gonna do to resist and repair? Mm-hmm. I love all of that so much. I love it. It's, it's just so powerful. And yeah, I'm excited that this podcast is going to go out and people are going to have a chance to really plug in and tap into what that means, which is exciting. Um, yeah, how can people find you? <laughs> yeah. How can people so, find you the best? And also your program cultivate, is it still open for enrollment? Like if people hear this, when this is aired, um, so when this is aired, we're starting a new cohort, um, in the spring. So the next one will be in the fall. Uh, and as I'm a visionary leader, so who knows, I probably have some pop-up workshops in the summer, but, um, so I might have some things. So the best way to keep in touch and, and follow along is, um, my website is katie-kurtz.com. And um, Instagram is kind of my, I think of it as my front porch now in COVID. I just like hunker down and look outside like, hey, everyone. And I love (laughs) connections. So please feel free to DM me, but it's um, underscore Katie Kurtz. And uh, yeah, that's where I share things. I'm happy to connect with people. um, And 
uh, I, it gives me a lot of hope to think that we're having more trauma-informed leaders in the world um, because it's just, it sounds super clinical, but really it's just this expansion of empathy and, and radical compassion. And I, I don't know, I don't know many people who can argue that's a bad thing. So that's my <laughs> hope. And I love seeing it in, in the, all, all the unlikely places. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And yeah, I will put everything in the show notes. So if people are listening, they'll just, just swipe up and grab all that goodness, which is great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending your day with me. And it has been such a blast. Thank you so much. I love this. I love being in conversation. Um, obviously I could talk about it all day. It's, it's what lights me up. So thank you. It's been an honor. Hey friends, I hope you freaking loved that episode. And if you did, let me know what you loved about it by leaving me a review below or tagging me on all the social medias. It would mean the world to me. And as always, you're freaking fabulous. Stop being so secretive about it. I hope you hit that subscribe button and I hope we catch you next time.